Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. As part of the shortened service format to come back to re-entry, rather than a full-length sermon, we're just going to do a reflection. We're going to do three weeks uh, pursuing a series of just short reflections on the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. And so as the church comes back to worship together after three months of separation, we're working from Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. And in that book, Micah is talking about the heart with which we come to worship the Lord. So I want to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, for those online, for those who are here, we ask, Lord, for an anointing of love, an anointing, an oil of togetherness to come upon us. Whatever medium we're watching this service, we're participating with this service, that this would be, though it's a small day, that this would be a day in which we increasingly come together until we reach that normative thing called coming together, which we hear in the book of Hebrews. Lord, we thank you for one another. We thank you for church. We praise and we worship your name. Amen and amen. So Micah in this verse is talking about, you know, the attitude and the heart with which we come together to worship the Lord. And this is what he says. I'm in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He says, with what shall I come before the Lord? What, whether you're online or whether you're here, what is the nature of my heart, my disposition, my deportment amidst all the craziness going on in the world right now? Where am I? What am I doing? And, and what am I doing? And with what attitude do I come before the Lord? With what shall I bow or shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? What's the basis of true worship? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? Uh, uh, shall I come with calves which are a year old, very valuable? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn <laughs> for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? You know, well, how do I come? You see, uh, Mike is saying, is it the size of the tithes and offerings that pleases God? Is doing miraculous, extreme acts of faith, does that please God? What pleases God? How do I approach God? And the answer is no. In verse 8, he tells us, in verse 8 he says, He has told you, O people, or O man, O woman, He has told you what is good. He has told you what the Lord requires of you. And that's us this morning. Watch this. To do justice. Not just to talk about it, not to theorize on it, not to intellectualize about it, but to do justice, to love kindness or mercy, to love it, to embrace it, to have a heart for it, and to walk in humility, walk humbly with our God. This is what is ultimately good. True worship flows out of this kind of life. We're going to do that in a second. This is our, our, our pre preparatory for worship. True worship flows out of a life of humble, merciful justice. So if we desire to truly walk with God, to worship in spirit and truth, we better pay attention to what God's saying through Micah here. 
right? We better solemnly reflect. But you know what? This is tricky business. How do you do that? How do you do that when the world right now, including the media, but other conventions and conventicles of communication are all talking about justice in a very different way? They're all talking about what, we're, what our attitudes to be, are, are to be in a very different way, almost a hateful way. And they're breeding it. They're breeding almost the contempt of what Micah has to say. So today, I'd just like to take a few moments. Again, this isn't a, a message, it's a reflection. But I want to ask the question, what is justice? What's that, you know? It's far more, you know, whatever justice is, it's far more than simply punishing bad guys, uh, as our justice system implies, uh, or just ensuring civil rights as the idea of social justice, which is being touted across the airwaves, implies. Uh, so th those things are important, but from a biblical standpoint, our, our measure is the scriptures, right? From a biblical standpoint, justice is not just judgment. You know, it, it, uh, it's not the absence of oppression. It is justice really, at the end of the day, is righteousness. In fact, the two words are kind of used interchangeably throughout the scripture, justice and righteousness. Um, so we've taken the title of this series called Civil, not rights, Civil Righteousness, which uh, declares this, and, and that inequality demands a civil rights movement. Okay, we, we know that. But that won't skin the cat. I know some of you don't know what skinning the cat means, but that won't do the trick, okay? Because it's not just inequality. The big problem is iniquity. Iniquity requires a civil righteousness movement. So righteous justice isn't just like some abstract idea that you come up with in civil documents, and they're important. It's something every one of us do. It, it, it's to act in accordance with the character of God. Here's the problem with justice. For there to be real justice, biblically, there has to be a perfectly just judge. Well, who is that? In the world, where do you find that? Well, we don't. There is only one perfectly just judge, which is God himself. So, so this Hebrew uh, word for justice can also be translated righteousness. can also be translated exercising authority. How's that? Okay. God is delegating his authority, his power to humanity, and then telling us to exercise it righteously so that we can flourish on the earth. Now, who is he delegating that to? He's not delegating that to the world. We honor worldly authority. Paul tells us to do that. We've been sword fighting with those scriptures because even right now, civil authorities across the world do not agree with one another regarding the COVID. They don't agree with one another regarding the racial injustice movement. And so who do we look to? And really, where is the world to look if they're to understand what justice really is, to do justice. So, you know, to do justice is more than just punishing bad people or making sure people's rights are protected. It is that, but it's much more than that. To do justice, which is the church's job, it's you and I on a daily basis, right? To do justice is to work towards what the Bible calls shalom. Anybody ever heard that word? It's peace. It's to work toward completeness, fullness, 
It's to work toward whole families. It's to work toward whole relationships. It's to work toward flourishing relationships with God and with one another. And unfortunately in the church, I'm not talking about just New Covenant, but the church abroad, the world can't see that right now. You're there. The devil wants to eradicate the church as a model of doing justice within. Okay? To do justice is to work toward shalom, to, to be willing and working toward uh, the positive well-being of one another, uh, flourishing and the beautification of all people and all things. Why that? Because that glorifies God and it shows people who are out there who God is. Are, are, are you with me? Huh? That's our job. It's the reflection of God's own character that he, he commissioned us to do. So a righteous society, whether it's a church, whether it's a, 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 an organization, whether it's a nation, it's where every human being is treated with dignity and value, respect and deference, but the deference that's deserving of the image of God, right? Uh, and this is where the proper use of power comes into play, all right, or authority, right? This is uh, the way humanity is called to exert its influence, uh, its resources, its ingenuity in a society where we not only seek to punish wrong or maintain rights, but foster flourishing, uh, a flourishing example of God's character is what justice is all about. And I'm going to tell you, it can't happen out there. Yeah? It can't happen out there. The only way it can happen out there is if they catch something of how it happens in here. And I'm talking about those of, for those of us who are online, we, we have to be desperate to emulate, to, to reproduce something that's of the character of God. Look, there are all kinds of gospels in the world. There's, there's a liberal gospel, there's a conservative gospel, there's an environmentalist gospel. And, but, you know, all those gospels basically talk about three things. What should the world be like? What went wrong so it's not like that? And how do you fix it? I'm going to say today, we're the only ones who have that answer. Huh? We're the only ones who got the answer. And so we know what the world should be like. We know what's gone wrong. But as Christians, here, here's a question that the church seems not to be asking itself. How is it fixed? And how does it start with us? Huh? So the gospel of Jesus Christ says that when humanity abused its power and its authority, that's Adam and Eve, God in Christ chose to become one of us and exercise his power not to judge, but to set us free so that we could flourish, so that we could have children and have good marriages, so that we can model something for a, for, for a, 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 a lost society. And that's called grace. The kind of power that restores the world and causes flourishing, guess where you find it? on a cross. Wow. On a cross. Like how counterintuitive is that? Only by looking to Jesus do we see our own justice for what it is. We, we recognize what a life of true justice should be. But you know what? We can, we can be that cross. That cross, that resurrection means that we can be transformed to look like that if we have hearts to. If we have 
prayer lives that would do that. If we have, if, if, if we'll turn down all of the noise and the rancor and begin to intercede, begin to, 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 to love one another, to begin to, to, uh, to, to embrace the love of Jesus Christ and be the church that we're supposed to be. Justice and mercy are, are like optional in the Bible. They're, they're evidence that his, that his life is supposed to become our lives. And if you have something it's, it's of justice, it's, it's important that we show our actions. Brothers and sisters, in, in the world apart from Jesus, we have this problem. And in the world, in the world, this problem is insurmountable. Here's the problem. It's going to be up here. Injustice happens when power is abused, favoring some to the detriment of others. Can I say that again? Injustice happens when power is abused, favoring some to the detriment of others. What government since the foundation of the world has ever accomplished fixing that? Huh? The only place that can happen is through the government of God. And it begins in the church. Now, I'm not saying that all governments are equal and are, that some aren't better than others in the terms of exercising justice. I, I, you know, I understand that. Uh, but the question for me and for each of us, you know, how, how, do, how do I take part in that? How do I exert my authority? How will I use my power? I'm talking about Grubby, Pastor Grubby here. By the way, I was in Giant yesterday. This is my ADD going on. I was, I was in Giant yesterday and last night and the Serard family was there. And I'm not here this morning. It's Barry's physician. And, and uh, one, of the, one of his girls says, as I was walking down the aisle, I said, Pastor Grubby. And so I had my mask on. And so I said, how did you know it was me, you know, with my mask on? She said, oh, I saw the bald spot in the back of your head. She said, that's my tonsure. You know, tonsures with what monks have. You know, I said, that's my tonsure. I said, you know what, you know what that means? And she said, what? I said, well, I'm never going to be successful robbing a convenience store with this thing. Anyway, so she didn't laugh either. Anyway, so <laughs> the question the question for me is this, and it's so practical, it's so down to earth. You know, injustice happens when power is abused, favoring some to the detriment of others. And I understand that civilly we need to address that. I get that. But, but what is, what, how does it work in my life? And how do, we trans, how do we take Micah's word? How do we take that brilliant word of the Lord through Micah and bring it into a reality? You know, what do we do? And I was asking myself that. It's Father's Day. Yeah? Congratulations, fathers. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you online. So I just spent, um, and I got to wind this up real quick. I just spent uh, uh, six days uh, in, in a, a, on a lake in North Carolina in a five-bedroom house with 22 uh, grandkids, kids, their spouses, all of us together, two of those days under torrential rain, so we were all uh, loving one another and being happy. And, <laughs> and I was watching, because there are five families there, and I'm watching all the fathering that's going on, of whom I am the eldest father, and I was just thinking about that in terms of justice. Watch this. If it's going to happen out there, it has to begin in families, right? 
And if somebody's getting treated less fairly than somebody else, how does that work in a family? Now, I'm going to say something that's going to really offend some people online or another. But whenever I talk about my dad, if I'm with somebody that I'm like intimate with, you know, uh, and I'm, so I'm saying I'm an intimate with you guys as a pastor and a father figure here in the church and so forth. I, I call my dad my old man. All right. Now, for some of you, that's a disrespect, but in our family, that wasn't. So I'm gonna, but I want to tell it like I tell it to my own kids. So when when we were kids, there were four four boys in the family, and they'd stick us all in the bench seat in the back of a car, no seat belts, big old '58 Buick, you know, none of that stuff. Some of you remember that. None of that stuff went on. Big old '58 Buick going down the road, four boys in the back seat on a trip and somebody would touch somebody else. He touched me, you know. No, he didn't, no, he didn't, he touched me, and then this So my dad, who was a father, had to infuse justice into that situation. And the way he did it was he would drive with one hand and reach back with the other hand and just start to swing, you know, <laughs> while he was driving, you know. And he didn't care about justice in an abstract sense, he just wanted to get skin. <laughs> Man. And we quieted down because the next step would be st he'd stop the car. And, and that wasn't to look at the scenery. Are you there? And so my old man was mediating justice through his fatherhood. But, you know, and that's a fairly typical picture of how our family worked in the 1950s and 60s, and how you parented in the 1950s and 60s. Are you there? But I was thinking about it when I was watching my family down in North Carolina, I'm thinking, I never, ever, 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 ever once doubted my father's love toward me, all right? I mean, <laughs> we had our moments, yeah. But, uh, I never, ever even, it never crossed my mind that he didn't love me to death. You know how Jesus said, uh, no greater love has, has a man than this to lay down his life for his friend? Well, he didn't say father because fathers lay down their lives for their kids like that. Are you there? And so that was one way of doing justice. However unfair that was, okay, somehow my, my brothers and I all knew dad loved us. Yeah? Somehow we knew that, that the love of the Father was for us. Now, when we raised kids, we started with wooden spoons, you know, because it was okay to spank in those days. And then, it, then we got enlightened, and we began to positively parent. And the wooden spoons went away, and we, have to ha we had to have discussions. But, you know, <laughs> you, you ever have a family meeting? I, we'd say, Okay, kids, we're going to have a family meeting. Oh, no! Oh, anything but that. You know, that kind of thing. But it was to try and get some justice into the household, yeah? And, I, you know, I was, I, I don't know. I didn't ask them overtly. But I would suspect after a week with all my kids, none of my children nor their, their, their spouses would ever question that Trish and I didn't love them almost unconditionally. Are you there? You know? I mean, we've had some moments. Anybody who parents does. I'm making a point here. And then you get into today. And today is positive parenting. You have to, you reason with your child. You paint pictures. You be creative. 
Uh, you have timeouts. There's no corporal punishment, all those things. So I'm watching my son with his two-year-old daughter who wants to go, I don't know, eat cupcakes with her cousins or something like that. And he wants to take her down to the dock to be with her sister and her mother on this lake. And she's two years old and he's holding her and she wants in the other way. He's going to take her that way. And he says, don't you want to go down and see Mr. Sun go to bed for the night, you and mommy and I? Her toes curl like this, okay? And she goes, no! And like her head goes up and does a, you know, 360, like Linda Blair and, and, and the Exorcist. No! You know, he's dragging her down to the dock. And I'm thinking, oh, how unjust, you know? <laughs> But that kid knows her daddy loves her. Now these are very different parenting styles, right? All right, where am I going with that? What the world needs right now, we're, we're talking about all kinds of stuff, the COVID, the racial issue, all of the things that are going on, which need to be addressed, do need to be addressed. But it just occurs to me, I don't see any fathers on the international arena, the national arena. I mean, maybe some of these guys are and some of these gals are. Because, you know, a woman can be a father. Are you there? You know. Matter of fact, the only father figure I see internationally is Angela Merkel in Germany. I mean, she's got that parenting kind of ethos with her nation. But she's on her way out, you know. I just don't see any uh, Nelson Mandela's. I don't see any Lincoln's. I, I, I don't see any Churchill's. Um, the closest I'd come to is Cyril Ramaphosa in Africa, but um, I mean, we, we need to pray for fatherhood to emerge. You know, could be with a woman, you know, because uh, it's, 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 a, it's a trait. And it's something, watch this, you can honor and gain the kingdom by doing it. And so what I'm saying is that, that and I'll close with this. What I'm saying is, this is what God requires of us, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. The, the only force I know across the face of the earth that can do that is the gift from God of parenting the way our father parents. Are, are you there? And so I'm saying, I'm gonna start praying for a parent to emerge in our nation, for a parent to emerge internationally, for parents to begin to take the four. Uh, uh, look, here's where it comes down. You guys are sitting there with these preposterous masks on this morning, you know. I mean, I'm looking out. How nutty is this, yeah? And then you guys are, who are ex uh, expressing, you know, your discretion and you want to be careful in your home or you're angry because masks are required and I can't get into all that. There's way too, I, I feel like s driving the car and just swinging across the back seat and getting some skin. Anyway, so, so, uh, I don't know if the way we're doing this is right, but I'm not called to know if the way we're doing this is right. Does that make sense? What I'm called to do is love this church as a father. And the leaders who are leading with me love this church in a fatherly way, even if it's mediated through me. 
I love you all. I'm not called to be right. I can't be right because nobody is right out there right now. But I can love. I can love. I can be a father. Wow. So let's pray. Father, I, I, uh, you're the perfect father. How we need you to be perfect among us right now. Pray at home. I, I bless every father and the mothers because mothers have to father these days. I just bless every father in the name of Jesus. I pray for an anointing of fatherhood. I pray that they would do justice, not just theorize about it. I pray that they would love kindness and love mercy, not just have ideas about it. I pray that they would walk in humility, humility, humility with their God. We pray for fathers. We pray for our nation. Lord, somehow in this morass that this nation finds itself in, would you sovereignly and in your mercy give this nation a father? And, and it's, not gender, it's not a gender issue. It, Lord, you know that. Praise you. We need parenting, God. We need something bigger than ideas and philosophies and politics. We need something bigger. We need to be able to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. So I'm thinking to say it this way, if you're kind of at the end of your rope, but you're seeing hope and faith, and what you're watching right now or being here that's the Holy Spirit and Jesus is saying to you I want to be your everything right now not just a part not a, an add on Jesus is saying to you I want to be your everything will you accept me into your life as your everything so I'm going to ask everybody online and Everybody live stream and here to just repeat after me this prayer. And uh, it's a pretty important prayer at this time. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life, to become my everything. Not just an idea or something I add on to my life. I want you to be everything. My Savior, my Lord, my God, and my King. I ask for forgiveness, and I receive it by faith. More importantly, I receive you by faith. Amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word JESUS to 610-816-6062.